0: Hello and welcome to the Soundworks Collection interview series. My name is Michael Coleman and this week we are speaking with composer Takeshi Furukawa who had the incredible task of scoring the music for The Last Guardian. This incredible story about an unnamed young boy who befriends this a giant half bird, half mammal creature named Trico. So my first question for you Takeshi is what was it like for the music director to reach out to you, Tommy Takeshi, and invite you to submit some of your initial thoughts, really just uh, demo of material for The Last Guardian. Was that the first time you found out about this project or, you know, what was your first kind of connection with the, with the game title?
1: Yeah, so that was uh, quite literally the first time. Um, as you know, you know, game development is is quite secretive. Um, you don't usually see it kind of like uh, films where, you know, a film in pre-production um, or even during the planning stages, it might be up on something like the IMDB, but uh, that's not the case with video games. Developers are are, again, very secretive. So until someone actually reaches out to you saying, we actually have this title in development and are looking for a composer, or you know even later in the stage, we're finally ready to start thinking about a composer, um, we usually don't find out about it. Um, so when Tommy reached out to me uh, with the opportunity for, well, he was collecting demos, essentially. Um, it was a closed demo session. Um, I think it was a handful of composers um, that he wanted to consider. Um, So that was the first time, and even then, uh, I wasn't really privy to what the title was uh, during our first conversation. It was only after a few exchanges of emails, which I finally found out that it was it was uh, the successor to Shadows. And you know, um, my response was, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so (laughs) yeah, it's uh, it's really a privilege to be even included in." the demo process for such an esteemed title, so I was ecstatic.
0: Had you played Shadow of the Colossus, or did you know much about it? Uh,
1: Yes, um, I am an avid video game fan. I haven't had as much time as I'd like to recently to play games and catch up with newer titles, Mm -hmm. but um, ever since I was a child, all the Final Fantasies, all the... um, uh, I'm not sure if it's... um, as as popular here in the west as is in mm-hmm. japan but there's a franchise called dragon quest um
0: it's, yeah uh, sure
1: yeah so you know all those chrono triggers um rpgs again an avid gamer and um coming off of that you know eco shadows uh, i think uh just like with any other uh video game enthusiast i would consider it in my top 10.
0: Yeah. I mean that was a game that came out I'm just looking it was it came out in 2005 and this game had been in development for different iterations for many many years and it felt like it, you know, it was announced I think as early as maybe even 2009 or and there's iterations of it coming back up in 2011 and then 13 and it seemed like it had kind of a start stop um, uh, game cycle for you, you know, when you did find out about The Last Guardian, at what, how long was it between the the period of submitting your demo and then them saying we want to work with you. How long was that?
1: Um, when I submitted the demo, it was I can't recall. It was either late two thousand and ten or early oh um, eleven. Uh, and then you know I didn't hear from them for a couple of months. But uh, in the um, in the scheme of things, it was quite uh, quick. After I submitted the demo, within a couple of months, they said, well, us on um, was you know your, your demo." Uh, resonated with Ueda-san. He's interested in um, speaking with you. And from there on, I think uh, things progress relatively quickly. However, once I was brought on board, um, there was a bit of a, a lag thereafter that actually happened due to the platform switch. So I had about two years where I, was, um, I wasn't I was necessarily twirling my thumbs, but um, not not doing much
0: musically. What do you remember from that original demo? What was it about that demo being that stood out to them that matched the, the aesthetic the just the overall tone that they were looking to strike
1: mm, I think the honest answer is I really didn't overthink it once again um, I became privy to some of the other composers that were being considered and um, you know my stature um, even now is nowhere near such esteemed you know composers so um, my thought was, well you know I have nothing to lose. Um, however, uh, I must be doing something right to be considered and, you know, to to say, I I don't know what I'm doing right or what I must've done. But, uh, essentially I just kind of followed my instincts and, um, they gave me a handful of images. Um, and off of those images, I just wrote, uh, it was a very string oriented piece. Uh, it was very restrained and I, I guess not as, um, loud, uh and when I say loud, I, I say it loud with air quotes, um almost muted, um a little bit more uh sensitive I, I guess than um it it was I guess um more reserved is probably the right term. Um piano, you know, strings, um not much ethnic instruments, not not much going on actually. It was quite minimal. So I think that naturally seemed to have struck a chord with um, Ueda-san and his aesthetic that he was envisioning for the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I can imagine being a gamer and knowing just how high the bar is set when it comes – I mean, visually, Shadows of the Colossus was a very uh, – it was a big milestone, I think, for gameplay and for game aesthetic. and. Uh, I I remember when it came out there was nothing really that you could compare to it 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 stood alone and I I think that's the same for The Last Guardian when I think of the gameplay and how the interaction of not only you have uh, with the environment but the relationship that the gamer has with the environment uh, sonically it's a very sparse type of experience but it's heightened when the music cues do come in it really draws you in and it, it doesn't feel like it, it happens at the moments that mean the most. I think emotionally, I wasn't expected to have such a strong relationship with you know between the boy and Trico. So I mean, for you, how did you find when you started to see the music implemented into the game? How did it change your own relationship then with what you were doing?
1: Well, oh, I, I agree. First of all, that uh, Ueda-san's use of music—it's it's very economical, and as you pointed out, um, therefore making it uh, that much more effective when the music comes. Um, But um, it seems like it's a universal thing with uh, every other composer where right around when the project ends, you finally feel ready to take on the project per se because you're kind of learning you know, how the director works and also, I, I guess, your music is evolving throughout the writing process to um, adjust uh, closer and closer to matching the visuals and the aesthetic styles of the director. Um, for The Last Guardian, Ueda-san, um, he, he likes to receive music as a standalone piece and um, cut it into the picture or, or adjust the implementation himself. He's, he's very particular and meticulous in that sense, um, as opposed to, for the um, actual writing of the music, he's, he's relatively hands off. I think um, he has a wonderful mentality of um, trying not to micromanage uh, his, his um, collaborators. So, um, I would write these pieces, uh, and then obviously, um, before they were implemented, we had a good idea of where it was going to go because we would you know, spot each scene and come up with an overall blueprint of how the score was going to function within the game. But then, once it actually got implemented, sometimes he would make these last minute switches and tweaks and um, small changes. And um, some of them were, you know, it's just Fresh, freshly surprising. It's I would have never implemented that way, and um, there was a lot to. Well, I, I get a lot of feedback um, watching my music implemented in that kind of a, a way, and you know, I could adjust accordingly. So I'm not sure if I uh, if that directly answers your question, but no, that's uh, great. that was
0: yeah. And I guess for you, for writing too. I mean, was it a very linear process when it comes to spotting? You know where music cues are going to be what was it what was kind of path that was taken because when i look at you know just the soundtrack from a you know from the beginning of the soundtrack to the end it has a very linear like a movie um from from the start to the finish how was it then for you when you spotting and also then you know kind of figuring out where music was going how much direction did were you given well it was um it was not linear by uh, any stretch of the
1: imagination because um. This kind of ties into the, the way video games are developed as a whole, um, where video game development is not linear. Actually, you know, um, say the last level might be done. Um, well, the Last Guardian necessarily doesn't have levels in the traditional sense, kind of like other games. But um, say the back half of the game might be done before the actual opening is done, and. Um, also, uh, game development uh, takes a form called vertical slices. I'm not sure um, if, if sure. that rings about. bell. Don't yeah. you
0: describe that? Yeah.
1: Um, so um, for uh, vertical slices, actually, uh, a developer would uh, take a piece of the game, one part, and they would slice it out and essentially build that up to near completion to serve kind of as a proof of concept, and um, from there on, extrapolate the rest of the game. So. You know there that itself it's you could see how the development cycle is not necessarily uh, linear Um, but um, on the other hand though we did need to kind of be aware of what the narrative arc was going to be or i myself did need needed to as a composer so um they had told me what the story was and how it was going to progress and from there on i was able to conceptualize um what the the macro i guess Macro vision of the entire soundtrack or the score was going to be like, and um, started writing there. Um, But again, even the writing process—you know—I didn't start at the beginning and go to the end. It was I was just jumping all over the place.
0: Yeah. Uh, How how much of your original demo kind of led the way when it came to instrumentation and overall tone? Because obviously that got his attention. But then now you have the the job of going further. I mean, did you have aspects of choir and? Um, much more. I think in the final number you had something close to a 90-piece orchestra. How? What was the scale of the demo and then how, how did it get extrapolated into the rest of the work that you did over the next few years?
1: Um, instrumentation wise, uh, my demo was a little bit sparser um, but the color palette um, the tonal color palette was quite similar um, I, I don't think I had choir in there but uh, it was like piano strings, woodwinds um, a prominent use of oboe I, I love that instrument uh-huh. um and uh uh I guess melodically or, or motif wise uh, nothing from the demo got retained in the final score it was just okay. you know that was that was a demo and right. um, said and done that's gone um so yeah the choir actually was um uh, Ueda-san's idea I think he wanted to really um make use of the uh treble choir, uh, uh, the boy's choir, um, to kind of play on the purity and the innocence of the, the boy. And I think it's you know, it's, it's great. It, it works out. It's a great idea that he had. Um, so, yeah, does that answer your question about yeah, yeah. the instrumentation?
0: Were there any unique aspects of instrumentation, of things that you maybe weren't initially thinking would be a good match? I mean, I, I think there's always staples in people's kind of studio and the writing That you set yourself down a a path that is familiar and maybe comfortable or you know it you know speaks to the strengths of your writing um but what were some of kind of the unexpected surprises when it came to the score and the different aspects of writing it
1: Hmm. well i I would say the choir was definitely something that i had not preconceived initially and it was kind of outside of um it actually it was outside of my uh, comfort zone as well since i had never written for um you know, a larger choir complement. Um, in fact, I think it's fair to say i have written—I've never written much for for choir. Um, so that was definitely something new. Um, but in ter- terms of overall, um, you know, it wasn't—I wasn't trying to um, stay within my comfort zone um, purposely, um, nor was I looking to break the mold. Because um, you know, at the end of the day, the Music needs to serve the picture, and um, from the very initial conversation, I, Ueda-san's sensibilities and what I wanted to um, offer musically was in line. You know, we we agreed that um, it needed to be a traditional sound. It needed to be a very organic sound. So, um, you know, no, uh, not much synths. Um, it wouldn't make sense to bring in too much electronics. In fact, we didn't use any electronics at all. There are some ambient sounds, but those were um, actually all constructed. Um, I I brought on my uh, friend who's a sound designer, or musical sound designer, his name is Koichi Sanchez. Um, he uh, sampled a lot of organic sound sources and came up with custom um, ambient patches, um, which are kind of uh, snuck in right behind the orchestra. It's not very prominent, but it kind of just, I, I think it brings, brings the um, overall tonality of the music a little bit uh, closer to our time period, instead of um, you know being back in the uh, '90s, yeah. By adding you know, a little bit of, I guess, synthesized uh, atmosphere.
0: Yeah. What cultural differences or unique aspects are there when it comes to a game developer that's coming from Japan? Because some of those game titles you mentioned, Final Fantasy and I mean Colossus and a lot of the amazing titles that have come even out of the Japan game studios, they have a a scale and just an epicness to them that I feel like this game taps into a little bit of that. I mean, how much influence is there when it comes to just a game title that's being developed from a Japanese game developer? How how does that influence where your mind goes in terms of what, you know, they're going to get excited about?
1: Uh, Musically speaking, um, I think for better or worse, Japan has or, or Japanese developers and Japanese audiences in general um, has a fairly idiosyncratic taste when it comes to music where um, you know, I, I go to Japan and I hear music playing um, around town or even, you know, um, coming out of their movies and their video games. It's it, it, it's quintessentially Japanese. I, I yeah, don't know yeah. if that means anything. Um, yeah, but uh, for the Last Guardian, um, uega san his sensibilities are very much uh, Western-oriented. Um, so I um, can't really uh, speak with certainty, but I have a strong sense that he uh, likes to listen to uh, Western music and you know digest um, Western films and cinema. Um, so w- with regards to uh, the music for the Last Guardian and his influence, or the Japanese uh, developers' influence uh, for my score, uh, there wasn't. Um, much that went against the grain. There, they they came to me and said, "Well, look, you know, you you are Japanese, but you grew up here, and yeah, sure, yeah, we feel that your you know music is um, aligned more with the Western um, sensibilities, and that's exactly what we want. So just do what you want to do."
0: Yeah, you know, how long of a stretch of time were you, I guess, fully committed in terms of getting the score to uh, delivered? Sure.
1: Um, I would say it's fair to say that the last three years leading up to the summer of two thousand six. So I two thousand six two thousand sixteen. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Twenty sixteen. Um, that's when I uh, delivered the score and um, the final assets. Um, so um, s- three years prior, I guess that would make it uh, take us back to twenty fourteen. Is yeah. essentially a, from there on out, I was fully committed to. Um, making progress on this score, and you know a lot of it is also um, just working in hand with the developers because the game is obviously changing on a daily basis as well. So um, the music needs to uh, catch up to it and conform to the changes. And um, also, you know, it, it kind of catered really well to the way I like to work as as a composer. Um, I know other people. Uh, So some of my friends, you know, uh, we we talk about this often. Yeah, sure. Um, They're really good at um, kind kind of having that creative spark and just gunning it all the way to the end so they could spend um, as little as several hours on a piece and it would be done. And it's it's brilliant. Um, I I unfortunately uh, don't (laughs) work that way, nor do I have the um, skill set, I guess, or, uh, to work that way. Um, uh-huh. I usually like to kind of just pick at it a little at a time. Um, so I might go to this piece, um, work on it a little, and then let it sit for a day, um, come back to it again. And it's, um, essentially it's refinement, uh, via iteration is is probably the way to best put it. Um, so being able to take this longer span with the music, um, by you know virtue of kind of writing on the um, um, the development timeline of, of the game because it, it, they would take time to finish up these levels. It gave me the opportunity to take a much longer time period to refine each piece, and it, that worked out really well for um, the way I like to work.
0: Are there any lessons that you learned just reflecting on just the process of Working on the Last Guardian, I, I think when you don't really have perspective of the piece as a whole until it's been done for a while. When you look back at it, you know what were some of the lessons that you did learn? What what, what even you know surprised you about what you came out with?
1: I guess one of the big surprises was um, the Last Guardian was um, it's essentially my first big solo project in my um, career so far, and. Yeah. I've heard um, some stories you know, from um, other colleagues when they work with big studios or big developers um, how political it might get or the, the extracurricular um, facets that the composer needs to uh, pay attention to uh, with bigger projects. So I was, you know, wholeheartedly bracing myself um, for a rough ride. But um, mm-hmm. to my pleasant surprise, these, everyone um, at Japan Studios and Wada-san's team um, was an absolute joy and privilege to work with. I mean, there was, you know, n- no um, political um, political BS, if if I may say so.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um,
1: and um, they're all, you know, artisans. I mean, they were wholeheartedly concentrated on. Ah, uh, creating the best product they can, and um, dedicated to their craft, and that was again just just a surprise. I mean, here I am sitting, you know, alone composing, thinking, "Well, <laughs> this is such a big project." Yet yeah. the environment that they've allowed me to immerse myself is just no different than, um, you know, a, a smaller artisanal title, um, and yeah. So that was uh, again, you know, it's it was a composer's dream.
0: For and lastly, for you, you know, what is your advice to others who are interested in just becoming a composer for video games? You know, what what drives you to be able to do this type of work?
1: Well, um, my first advice would be to not limit oneself to a specific medium. Um, I never; it was never a specific agenda um, for me to compose for video games. Um, I, I guess. I yeah. obviously enjoy writing music, so as long as um, I was able to write music and uh, you know, um, with a bit of um, a budget to be able to record it properly, it doesn't really matter for me if if I'm writing for films or uh, TV or even just a concert works. Uh, so just kind of keeping an open mind is probably uh, much healthier and conducive to one's creativity and uh, I guess ultimately um, career. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, obviously, there's customary advices to, you know, digest as much music as um, possible. Um, also, not just limiting yourself to, to music, but um, getting influenced by, like, art and um, good cuisine, just kind of expanding one's horizon, <laughs> yeah. I guess.
0: Fantastic. And for you, I think, what, what is coming up? What What are some of the next projects that you can... Mention or uh, hint at in terms of what you're what you'll be working on.
1: Well, so um, going off of my previous statement, I think one of the things that uh, I'm working on right now um, is is a collection of just chamber works. I'm I'm writing it for the sake of writing it, and um, I don't have any specifically planned outlets yet. Um, I don't know if it will actually ever see the light of day or not, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, with a bit of luck hopefully you know, I'll get it finished up and maybe um, get a couple of performances or get, get to at least record it and have it and it could be um, my first collection of I guess properly written chamber music.
0: Well uh, Takeshi thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this fantastic project and game um, The Last Guardian. I think for folks who haven't had a chance to play it uh, definitely seek it out because it's one of those standout titles and and your music speaks so much to, I think, the overall experience. So thank you again for chatting with me about this. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to my chat with composer Takeshi Furukawa on his work on The Last Guardian. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com.